podcast. I'm Carrie, and I'm here with my husband, Nathan. Hey, babe. (laughs) All right, here we go. We are just excited to share our thoughts and to share an open window into our, really our intimate conversations about life and um, what we've learned and what we're thinking and what we're dreaming and excited to open that up to you. So I'm going to give you a little forewarning. Nathan has no idea what I'm about to ask him and what topic we're about to launch into. And really, I don't even know either. So what I was thinking was episode one, why our title, Common People, Uncommon Marriage. What is so different about our marriage? What makes it uncommon? What's well, lasted 16 years. I mean, <laughs> I would say that unfortunately has made us fairly uncommon, but I would say what makes it I mean, really uncommon is that after 16 years, I'm more in love with you than I ever have been. I can't imagine life with anyone other than you. I'm assuming you think the same way. He's so sweet. I know I am. But we live in a world, and today we were reminded again that so many marriages don't make it. Even the ones that look strong from the outside. They look like they have it all together. They've got this happy little life. And obviously, unless you're in great relationship with people, you really only get to see a fraction of what's really going on. But marriages that look like they are fine and healthy, and then they're not. And we just have seen it more and more, and it's heartbreaking. We are in our late 30s, and we have seen countless marriages bite the dust, and it's just heartbreaking. And so our hope is that Other people won't have to walk through that, that there is a better way. There is a different way. It is possible to love your spouse. It is possible to love being married. And it doesn't have to be a struggle and it doesn't have to be a fight to fight for a good marriage. It can be smooth and it can be fun and awesome. Would you agree? Oh my goodness, yes. I mean, I've heard so many people say that marriage is hard and I... I, something inside of me just kind of cringes when they say that because I think, well, my marriage isn't hard. So why is your marriage hard? I think ever since the time we started dating, it was just kind of easy to love you. It was a lot about who you were, but it was a lot about, I mean, I guess kind of what I wanted. Like I wasn't guarded. I wanted to, I just wanted to love you and I haven't ever stopped wanting to love you. Now you make it really easy to love you. But it's not hard because, I mean, at the very beginning also, we, we've, had, we've had so many discussions about that, that it's not about me anymore. Especially when you get married, you have to be willing to lay down your life. And I mean, that doesn't mean just die for you because it's easy to say I would die for you, but how many people are going to be faced with that situation? But it does mean that when a situation comes where I can be selfish, I choose not to. Or a situation comes where I know what I want, but I know what you would want. And I just kind of choose what you would want. And I don't do that in a, a way that's going to make you feel bad one day. I do it because it's really what I want. At the end of the day, your joy brings me joy. And that's, I think, makes it pretty easy is that when you're happy, I'm happy. So I don't ever have to make myself happy. I just have to kind of have to make you happy. And then I'm full of joy. So maybe that answers your simple question. Yeah, I think... Th- if I were to say, like, what is the one secret, you know, people are always asking, what's, what's the one thing you could say to a new couple? I would say, learn how to die to self. 
which is really easy to say. It's a whole lot harder to do, right? But that is something that you have been so good to teach me over the years. And I have known ever since we were 16 years old, I have always known that you adore me. I have always known that you would do anything for me and to give me my dreams and to make me happy and sacrifice yourself for my wants and my needs. I've always known that. And I've watched you live that way our whole marriage. Well, I mean, let's be honest, looking back years from that moment, that that's what a real man does. I mean, I don't know how else to say it, but I've met boys that thought they were men, but they don't know how to die to self. They don't know how to give up their life for something else or someone else. And it's really sad. And you see them struggle through life and you see their marriages struggle because they're still living life for themselves. Where what we're designed for is to fight for something and to fight for someone. And that does include dying to self. And uh, it's just been really cool to see that kind of come about because I mean honestly I don't we, people talk about arguing and stuff and we don't we never do and it's possible and it's not because we even try not to argue we just talk about life-giving things all the time and we are really of like mind everything that we think about and everything that we talk about is pretty much aligned and if it isn't we talk about it and then it becomes aligned because that's what it means to be one flesh I mean my flesh doesn't argue against itself and so I choose not to argue against you because we're supposed to be one. Right. I think, what's that verse that Paul talks about? Um, there's several of them. One I know that you love so much is do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in all things, consider others better than yourself. And that doesn't just mean others like the people you work with or your family or the people that you don't get along with. But I think it first and foremost, it's about your spouse consider that person better than yourself. And so do nothing out of selfish ambition, which means to, because that's what I want or vain conceit to make me better, make me feel better about myself, but do everything to make you feel better about yourself. And I think that's what dying to self is, is a lot about is that, uh, it's not about me anymore. It's really about you. And then we'll get, I guess we'll talk later about kids. Then it takes on a whole nother dynamic. But <laughs> I mean, just the two of us, I mean, that, I think that's what it means. I mean, it's worked out pretty good so far. Do you know how I first knew that you loved me? Um, I, well, I don't know. Is this a new thing that I'm going to learn? <laughs> no, we talk about it all the time. This concept of sacrificing for somebody else. When we were in high school and we were dating, they had these Otis Spunkmeyer cookies in the cafeteria. <laughs> Do you remember this? I totally remember this. You could buy three cookies for a dollar. They were so good. And I never had extra money to buy cookies, but Nathan always had extra money to buy cookies. And he would get the chocolate chip cookies because he knew they were my favorite. And he would eat the outside of the cookie and it was the crunchy part. And then the inside of the cookie was soft and warm and gooey. And he would save that part for me. And he would give that to me and he would hand it to me. And then he would stop and he'd look at me and he'd say, you know, I love you, right? I'm giving you, <laughs> I'm giving you the inside of the cookie. I'm giving you the middle, the best part, the best bite. I just love to make you happy. Always have, always will. And then I think about our early years of being married, what that looked like on a daily practical basis. I remember <laughs> many nights new to this whole world of adulting 
where you have to do things like put the trash on the street and stuff. There's nobody telling you to do those things. <laughs> we would be laying in bed, getting ready to go to sleep, and I'm snuggled in and I'm warm and, and my eyes would pop open <laughs> and I would say, crap, we didn't take the trash to the no, street. No, that's not how you ever started that. You always started it out with, Nathan, Nathan, Nathan. And I would look at her and say, what do you need? And we're both about ready to go to sleep. And she'd say, the trash runs in the morning. That was always the way it went. The trash runs in the morning. And, you know, there's a flesh. I mean, so this is, I guess this is the part where what differentiates an, our marriage from a hard marriage is that, well, there's that moment where I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. And I could tell you, well, then get up. You have two feet and two hands like I do. But no, that's not, that's not what a real man does. A real man decides... I'm going to die to self. And in this moment, that means I'm going to get my warm body up into the cold outside, <laughs> most likely in my undies, because I don't want to put any other clothes on. And I'm going to drag that trash can out to the street. But also, I have to be, I mean, can I just be honest? A little bit of it's selfish, because I always knew when I got back in the bed, you would warm, you would snuggle up next to me and tell me thank you and all that <laughs> stuff. And so I, 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 well, I say I knew that was coming. Most of the time, I thought that was coming. And most of the time, it did. But you are so lucky. I know I am so lucky. But I don't know. It's a matter of serving and dying to self. And I'd, I'd rather be cold than you be cold. And so consider you better than me means I had rather be cold before you are. Plus, I also know how you hate to be cold. I hate to be cold. She hates to be cold. I do hate to be cold. She really hates to be cold. Yeah, so we're done with that. Oh, so <laughs> so I knew if, it was, if somebody was going to go out in the cold, I knew you didn't like it. And because I knew you didn't like it, then I will take that upon myself to keep you in the comfort of our home. Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, that's just so practical, isn't it? I mean, does, what guy doesn't want to leave his wife in a warm bed and go out into the cold and take her place to do that? I, and I think it's such a clear picture of, you know, taking someone's place and enduring what they might have to endure. And men are called to that. Men are called to take the place of someone. They're called to endure that suffering for their family if it's called upon them. And I mean, good Lord, it's just taking the trash out. But if you can't do it when you're just taking the trash out, how are you ever going to do it if it takes like stepping in front of a bullet? I mean, if you're not willing to take a woman's trash out, would you really step in front of a bullet? <laughs> She's laughing. I'm being like all serious. <laughs> I just have images of you walking in your skimpies across the driveway with the trash can. But so then you're romantic. laughing. Why are you laughing? Because <laughs> it's so romantic. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> right. Okay. So it's super practical. Super practical. And even like really dumb stuff. I was thinking last week I was doing laundry and I was putting laundry away. And this is really dumb. Really dumb. But I have like favorite hangers that I like. <laughs> I'm, I'm just learning this, by the way. So this is going to be good for everybody. <laughs> Including me, a new way to serve Kiri. Give you the best hangers. No, like, well, I let's be honest. I'd put your clothes away for you. You're welcome. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> so I have my favorite hangers that I like to put my clothes on, and but I'm don't have any of my clothes to hang up. I have his clothes to hang up, and I remember last week looking at the collection of empty hangers and his shirt in my hand, thinking, "Hmm, which hanger am I going to give?" <laughs> It's so dumb. It's so dumb. But it just goes back to this mentality of constantly putting the other person in front of yourself. 
what can I do to show this person that I love them? What can I sacrifice? What can I give? What can I put to the side to put their needs in front of my own? Whether it be taking the trash out or giving you the good hangers, you lucky dog, or whatever it is. Just little things of being constantly aware. Like, um, I know that you are trying to eat healthy. So I will intentionally not buy a whole bunch of junk food because that's not good. Right? Even though I love junk food, I will try to be respectful and honoring of your decision to not you want to eat it. So, you know, really it's good for all of us. But just on the practical level, all of the different things, getting up with the babies when they were little tiny and letting me sleep in the morning. Whoo, that was a big one. I love to sleep. I like to eat and I like to sleep. Yeah. There <laughs> There were a lot of really early mornings and a lot of really late nights. I don't even know. That's kind of a blur. We've talked about that many times that that season was a bit of a blur. There were a lot of nasty diapers. There was a lot of throw up and there were a lot of pretty much sleepless nights. Um, Yeah. And then doing that and getting up and going to work in the morning. But I mean, I mean, can I say it? I can just be really honest here, right? I mean, you have to be a real jerk to expect your wife to do everything with your kids. I mean, you get the easy job, you get her pregnant and then she has to do everything. I mean, and we use the, we use our job as an excuse. Oh, I, I, I've got to go work tomorrow. Like she doesn't have to function in the morning. Give me a break. Right. Um, Woo-hoo. amen. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. All the ladies said amen and all the men are like, shut your mouth. But no, but seriously, I, and I knew I could do it. And I think every guy's got to feel at least a little bit of guilt or a little bit of conviction if they're a, a Christian about when you expect your wife to do that. Because my job, I mean, my the job to make money is secondary to being a husband, and it's certainly secondary to being a father. And so if I put my job ahead of being a good husband, which does mean dying to self, or being a good father, which does mean getting up and loving on my kids and changing diapers and cleaning up throw up, then that means I'm I'm... I'm basically taking my job and saying that's more important than being a dad and being a, a husband. And no, no, most guys would never say that, but our actions speak a whole lot louder than what we might say. Hmm. Oh yeah. I will say you've always done a really great job of communicating with your words, but also your actions to me and the children that we are a high priority to you. Time with us is a high priority even though I know that you work really hard and that you have a lot of demands and a lot of responsibility I've never felt like you've put the job in front of me Hmm. and I'm really grateful for that so there's just so many verses throughout the New Testament especially that point to this this idea of dying to self or Uh, Treat others as you want to be treated, something simple like that, or putting the needs of other people in front of your own. And so when you approach your marriage from that perspective, that whatever I can do to serve this person, whatever I can do to communicate my gratitude for their love, and when you're both operating in that position, it works out beautifully. Now, it doesn't work so swell when it's one-sided, because then you get abuse and somebody ends up taking advantage of your humility. But when you're both operating from a place of humility and attempting to elevate the other one, that's when it works. There's so many things in 
God's word and his instructions to us that are so not just countercultural, but unnatural that he says, you know, don't put yourself first, put other people first, or just the way we spend money, the way we spend time, the way we um, invest, the way we teach. It's just very unnatural and it takes intentionality. But when we do it and we put faith in those instructions and we actually walk it out and do it, it works and it works beautifully. Yeah. You know, we were doing that this past Sunday. We, in uh, the life group we were a part of, they talked about outdo one another in showing honor, which is in Romans. And you, you know, you say, well, what does that mean? Well, it means we'll outdo your spouse in showing honor to them, which means be the first to show honor, show more honor. And honor is treating them like they're better than yourself. You know, whether it's a matter of rank or whatever, she may not have a general symbol on her shoulder, but because of who I know she is and she's my wife and I honor her and I love her, that I'm going to treat her like she's better than I am. And I'm going to think of her like she's better than I am. And I'm going to act like she's better than I am. And it's not just pretend, it's literally a state of mind. And when it becomes a state of mind, all your actions will be that. It's not behavior modification. I'm not pretending anymore. It's literally you're better than I am. And I believe that with all my heart, that you are better than I am. Now, God sees us, yeah, of course God sees us all as equals and all those things. But while we live on this earth, you are better than I am. My life is meant to be lived to serve him first, to literally go to any extreme any nation, any country, to see his name made great in the middle of doing that to serve you in doing that, to protect you, to honor you, and to love you with every breath and every action I have. I can love God with everything I have, and one of the most clear ways to show God that I love him is how I love you. I mean, you're his daughter. It's kind of cool that you've decided to live your life with me, and what kind of a man would I be if I mistreated God's daughter? kind of a big deal, I think, because if you mistreat my daughter, <laughs> well, I don't know how to say it, but you, you, you're, it's going to be bad for you. And I think God sees you the same way. And so I want to honor you that way because I'm going to get the end of my life and he's going to ask me, how did you treat my daughter? How did you love her? Did you think about other girls? Did you look at things you shouldn't? Or did you actually love her the way that, the way that I do, the way that he does? She's speechless. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're so good to me. No, let's be honest. I treat you the way every man should treat his, his wife. There's nothing special about me. This is why we call it common. I'm just a common dude. I was born in a small town in Alabama. You know, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I got a D in theater when I was at Auburn. That's because you didn't try. Well, it doesn't matter. Or most, show up to class. Well, let's be honest. <laughs> most guys don't try, and that's why they get a D. Mm. Careful, you're going to get deep there. So, but yeah, I didn't try, so I got a D. But I'm not. I'm not the the smartest student. So I'm not a student. I'm not the smartest guy in the world. But I think I've just kind of let God change me, which is really weird. I never wanted to be anything other than used by Him, loved by you be a good dad and a great husband. And it's kind of cool how that just kind of happens when that's your desire and 
what you focus your life around is that one desire. I've never desired another woman. I've never desired to be great. I've never desired to have an amazing career. I really don't care. It sounds funny to say that, but I really, it's not that I don't care, but it's not my focus. It's kind of a fun byproduct of doing life, I think, the way God wants me to live it, to do it. And that's to put him first, and you in a pretty close second, and then our kids come in third place. And so I live my life accordingly, and it's kind of cool how God honors that. There's a lot there. We're going to have to unpack that. We will. We'll do that later, right? some more episodes. But I think we're off to a good start. I hope that you can kind of hear our hearts of who we are. Um, We by no means are perfect. Please do not ever get the impression that we don't quarrel. We don't disagree. We don't ever have to walk through stuff. But by and large, our home is a happy place. It is a peaceful place. It is a joyful place. We are transparent and open and honest with each other in all things. And it's it's made for an incredible home, an incredible family, and we don't want to keep it to ourselves. We want other people to know that it is possible. It does exist. This amazing marriage that you dream of does exist, and it is possible. But it starts with denying yourself, which, again, is so unnatural. <laughs> it starts with putting yourself down and focusing on the other person. I think that's a really important what you focus on because um, I can tell you that what you look at in the world and the shiny lights and what's on the news are not what we have. Um, what you're going to hear about are these people got divorced and these people did this. I never read anything. Literally, I never read anything about how long a celebrity's marriage lasts. Nobody really seems to care about that, which is really unfortunate because uh, we want our marriages to last, but yet we will be infatuated with the brevity and the short length of other people's marriages or how many they've had or who's cheating on who and who's doing what. And, um, I mean, we'll talk about that. Probably should talk about that pretty specifically later on, but you're not going to read about that in the stuff you're probably reading most of the time. But I can tell you, you'll read about the principles that will lead to that in the Bible. And when you put that first, and when you look at marriages that are honestly better than yours, and are, you know, you see people 10 years down the road that are where you want to be and you start trying to be like them and do the things they do. I can tell you that the things that they do, you won't even read about that either because they do the things that are more like a marathon than a sprint. A sprint will get you likes and will get you friends on Facebook. But those marathons are things that will last a lifetime and they take a long time and they're not flashy and it's not a fireworks show. But they will actually build the foundation of what is a really good marriage if you'll practice those. And we will definitely talk more about what those are specifically later on. But our marriage is not about Facebook likes or Facebook friends. And this podcast really isn't even about how popular it is. We're doing this mainly so that our great, 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 great grandkids can hear our heart. Now, along the way, I hope many of you hear it and are encouraged by it. And, um, you know, take what we say, you know, take it with a grain of salt if you want to. But, We have a marriage that's unlike any marriage I've ever seen in my life or experienced. And it's honestly better than anything I could imagine. And we really pray and really want people to look at our marriage and see it as a light and say, 
you guys really are just kind of normal. So how is it you have such an uncommon marriage? Well, we're going to sit here and tell you about it. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us because because I do that often. And I think that's one of the reasons why we have such a good marriage. But then I'm going to pray for anybody that might be listening. And honestly, I'm going to pray for my great, great, great grandkids that I will probably never meet. And if you were listening to this, that is the reason why we are sitting here. Because we may never meet you this side of heaven, but we really do pray that the way we live our lives, the things that we have done, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, will be a guiding light for you in your life. And maybe you will be able to live that common life that may look common, but then have a marriage that really is uncommon because it it, it will it will set you up for success in so many places of your life when you don't have to fight for your marriage, but you can literally live in joy in your marriage. So God, thank you for thank you for the breath that you give us. Thank you that many years ago you knew that this marriage would be awaiting us when we were back in high school and just young and stupid and had no idea what we were doing. And God, thank you that that Thank you for what you're doing in Carrie's heart. Thank you that, um, I mean, I think about even just that I chased her good-looking legs into a church. And in the middle of all that was going on during that time, that you knew that you had a plan for us that was that was so far beyond what we could imagine. And it was to be sitting here 16 years later at a house in Houston after moving all over the world and experienced you moving in amazing ways and seeing you move in amazing ways and being able to talk to people about you and lead people to you and see people come um, into a saving knowledge of who you are and follow you all their days that that you knew what you were doing way back then. So God, for anybody who's listening to this that, that feels like there is no hope, God, I pray that our words would be so encouraging to them that they wouldn't see us as any better than them because we really aren't. We really are common people. If anything, we're less than common. And so, God, I just pray again that, you know, anybody that's listened to this, God, would would see how great you are and the, the hope that you have um, for them and the great life that you have for them on the other side of wherever they are right now because there is such great and deep hope. I thank you for my Carrie. I thank you that she loves you. God, I thank you she loves me. And God, I thank you for these four amazing kids that you've given us. God, help us to steward them. Help us to love them like they're not our just our kids, but they are your sons and your daughters. And one day they will have to give an account for their life. So God, thank you for everything that you do for us. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you our whole lives. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>